0: Man, my family, my family, how we doing? My family, my family, how we doing? I like it, man. Listen, I'm your dark-skinned cousin from Las Vegas, but I'm happy. I'm happy to be here, man. The reason I say my family is because you will see my face together in heaven. We will be together in eternity, so we might as well get to know each other. Amen? Man, I'm so happy to be here, man. Um, I have my beautiful family over there. They're they're beautiful. They come support me. I praise God for them. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, listen. Listen, yes, uh, my, my, my beautiful wife was over there, my chocolate queen, I call her. Uh, but we're just happy to be here, man. We just moved to, to Las Vegas, so when I got back to RDU for the airport, I did two things. I laid down and rubbed some grass, and then I went to Bojangles. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. Four-piece supreme dinner, man. That's what I'm talking about. But, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I've been a fan of your church for a while, but I am just so thankful to be here, and um, I will say this, I did not fly all this way to perform for you, okay? Mm-hmm. I came here by the grace of God to preach his word that he might be glorified. Amen. Okay? So do me a favor. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time, the opportunity, God, to preach your word, thank you for what you are doing here in Winston-Salem, God, and would you be so kind to speak to us, God, to ease our worries, and to encourage us to continue to move forward with your gospel message. This is our prayer, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So uh, me and my wife, we have two children. Uh, our son, Tripp, just turned eight years old last week. If you're a parent, you realize how fast your children grow up. Amen. This dude, I remember this dude was a baby walking around in diapers, using a Western wherever he wanted to. But now he's eight years old. He's growing up. But as a kid, man, my son would love those kid puzzles. So I would come home with those kid puzzles. Uh, he would open the box and dump it all out on the floor, and he would begin to kind of mess around with the puzzle. But one day I noticed he, he did something interesting. He would uh, he would open the box, dump out the pieces of the puzzle on the floor, and he would move one piece and, and look back at the box. Move one piece and look back at the box. Move one piece and look back at the box. It was as if my son understood that, when orchestrating or putting together a puzzle and to anticipate what shall come before you, it's often wise to look back at the original picture. Um, my son understood that if he was going to build a picture before him, he had to occasionally look back at the box. Today, what I'm trying to say is sometimes the way you move forward is by looking backward. And so this is what we should spend our time on today. You've been in the book of Ephesians working through this book, and, and God has been blessing you in amazing ways. But today it's as if the Apostle Paul walks into our church. He has a box for you called the Ephesian church. You and I open this box and we dump out all the pieces on the floor. But Paul says you should listen to his son, Ricky Harris' his son, because if you're going to put, <laughs> if you're going to put together and understand the, the book of Ephesians, if you're going to allow it to make sense to you, It will behoove you to look back at how it all started, at the original picture. Today, we shall look back at the original picture of the Ephesian church and allow that picture now to move us forward as you push through the book. Amen? Amen. And so uh, I think as we look back at at this time in Acts chapter 19, go ahead and turn there. As you look back there, I think there's a few things that our time should really encourage us to do. It should remind us of who God is through his word, and it should push us as we move forward as a church. I only have three points for you, okay? So turn to Acts chapter 19. As you turn to Acts 19, let me set the scene for you. In Acts chapter 18, we meet the apostle Paul. Uh, He's doing what he does best. He's opening his mouth to talk about Jesus. Who would have thought that Christians were supposed to open their mouth (laughs) and talk about Jesus? The apostle Paul is now talking about Christ and so well that the people in in Ephesus ask him to stay. But Paul says, "I, I must go ahead. I must preach the gospel. I must help plant and erect churches. But Paul says, but if God is so kind, I will come back to you if he allows. And this is where we find the apostle Paul now. He's making his way back to the city of Ephesus and he's crossing now the city limits and this is where we pick him up, all right? So look at me with me, Acts chapter 19. Verses 1 through 10, listen, now listen, if I mess up, don't you laugh at me, all right? Public reading is hard, okay? You get up here and read in front of y'all Christian faces. Come on, we're family, man, we're family, enjoy yourself, all right? Acts 19, 1 through 10, it says this, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying, As we look back at the original picture, the first thing we shall see about this church is it was started by the power of the gospel. In verse 1, Luke is the one who writes this account. And Luke mentions a name very quickly, the name Apollos. Now, I want to spend a little time here. Apollos was, was Paul's ministry partner. They were sharing the gospel together. I love this picture because it reminds us, uh, it reminds us Cities church, that when it comes to sharing our faith, this is no one-man job. It's not left to the paid Christians. Amen. If we're going to evangelize our, our city, it will take all of us to open our mouth to talk about King Jesus, okay? So, what out the gate, what we see is Paul has a ministry partner named Apollos. And hear me, there's no ego here. There's no turf wars here. There's no, these are my people and these are my people. No, we're all on the same team, Team Jesus. Amen. And they push forward with the gospel. Now, Apollos is in Corinth. But Paul has a new assignment in the city of Ephesus. And as he's walking, he meets some men, some disciples, and he asks them a very random question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, wait a minute. Think about that. If you're new to a city, they don't know you, and that's what you lead with? Hi, my name is Ricky. I love your church. By the way, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Like, what? But whatever it was, It it raised a red flag in Paul so much so that he asked this audacious question. But to be honest, he was right. The man says that, no, we have never heard that there is even a Holy Spirit. And this is where our text becomes a mystery. There's something here that we must solve. Can you now see Paul's face a little bit confused? The first thing that confuses us is the word disciple. When you not hear the word disciple, we think of Christians. But the term disciple is not exclusively a Christian term. Disciple simply means to be a learner or a follower. I'll say it this way. You can be a disciple and not be Christian, but you must be Christian to be a disciple. I'm going to go over here because they... Hear me. As disciples of Jesus, we should learn to live how he lived. We should talk the way he taught, and we should think the way he thought. So... Paul is like, you call yourself disciples, but then he says, but you have not heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, that would have meant that these men would not have known of Jesus Christ. They would not have known of his life, his death, his resurrection. In fact, this would have confused Paul because for Paul, once you and I became Christians, we were instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul understood that to become a Christian meant that you were filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of your belief. In fact, in Ephesians 1.13... Paul will say it this way, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'll keep going this way. Uh, David Williams, speaking of this text, will say it this way, Paul's criteria of what distinguished the Christian was significant, for it implies that the Holy Spirit is received at the point and moment of initial belief. For Paul, he simply understood this, that once you and I accepted Christ Jesus, we were filled with his Holy Spirit. So you see Paul now confused. Okay, you call yourself disciples. You know nothing of the Holy Spirit. Then he says, so what were you baptized into? And They say, amen, brother. They say, John's baptism. Paul says, ha, got it. You were baptized into John, but not baptized into Jesus. Simply put, these men were not saved. Um, now, to appreciate the text, you have to understand John the Baptist was a big deal. Okay? He was not bigger than Jesus, but he was a big deal. In fact, Christ would say of him, there is no man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. God would say, that he allowed John to be the forerunner to tell his people that Christ is coming. Hear me. John's ministry was a ministry of repentance. It simply meant that if you're going to accept Christ, the first step into that is to see that you are a sinner. Now, to to explain what Paul is dealing with here, he's going, men, you've crossed the first step into salvation, but there's one more step. Um, I'll say it this way. Uh, I now live in the West, but I'm from the South. In the south, we have a thing they call front porches. Who would have thought that folks like to talk outside to each other? Man, <laughs> man great invention. But growing up, man, I love my front porch. I laughed on the front porch. I ate on the front porch. Spent a lot of time on the front porch. But there's one thing I never did on the front porch. I never lived there. Why? The front porch is simply an entrance to the house. Paul is saying, men, good job. You have made it to the front porch of salvation, but you have missed one initial step. We don't live in repentance. We live in the house of the gospel. You are called to repent and then also believe. Hear me. I'll say it this way. What Paul saved these men from was behavior modification. He saved these men from what we call religion. Now, I'm from here. So I'm going to say some things that only you and I will understand because we're suffering. Religion says that it's all based on what I do for God that has allowed me to be saved. that it's my Bible reading, it's my church attendance, it's my tithing, it's my serving, that somehow, because I do these things for God, I am right with Him. but the gospel says something completely different. The gospel says you could not get to God, so God came down to you. God left heaven, came down to earth, put on flesh, hung on the cross, because you and I had a bad day called sin. The gospel says there was nothing you and I could do to become his children, and yet by his grace we are saved. Thank you for that one clap. Amen. (laughs) Amen. But listen, you know, listen, listen, man, I want you all to relax, okay? Okay. Because here, listen, I'm, I'm talking to you. I know what you struggle with. I'm from here. We've added to the gospel so much. Jesus plus my tithing. Jesus plus my attendance. Jesus plus what I don't wear. Jesus plus who I don't hang around. You are saved because God gave his son for you. The gospel is like my grandmama's collard greens. Leave it as is. Don't add to it. Don't touch it. Leave it as is. Hear me. The gospel simply says, Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross for your sins. He loved self righteous, hypocritical, backstabbing, conniving people like me. And by the grace of God, we are now saved. And this is what happens to these men in verse 5. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Only the power of the gospel could take broken, messed up people and in a moment make them children of God. Hear me. That's your story. You weren't always saved. Don't forget, you didn't always sit as comfortable as you sit now. Don't forget, don't let the gospel become simply something that you just talk about occasionally. That's your life. That is your life. I know you've heard the gospel a thousand times. I know know you've heard it a thousand times. But don't forget... That unless Jesus Christ died for you you have nothing these men in the blink of an eye hear the gospel of Christ Jesus they accept him all because the power of the gospel message Paul would say it this way in Romans one16 I am not ashamed of the gospel because the power of God to salvation in fact I'll say it this way. He even write about it in Ephesians chapter 2. He would say it this way. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Yeah. Let me tell you something that you've probably become old to. Jesus lived, he died, and he rose just for you. Do not become cold to that simple message. These men hear the gospel. Changed in the moment. And now we shall see how the power of the gospel now allows them to be introduced to the power of the Holy Spirit, which is our next point. Okay? Our next point is, sir, that watch is amazing. I like that. Amen. You can come on. Get one like one. I like that. I like that. I like that. Hey, look, we're family, man. So, listen, if you do something crazy, I'm going to call you out. (laughs) Also, I want to apologize. This is the spitting section. So, just, 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 amen. It's holy spit. Amen. Amen. Our, uh, (laughs) it's the last service, man. All right, here we go. Um, All right. Our next point is the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says this. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Now, this idea of Paul laying his hands on them, it finds its roots in the Old Testament, okay? Amen. In the Old Testament, the fathers the of the faith, they would oftentimes lay their hands on people to convey that they believe in the promises of God, that God will keep his promise. Well, now the New Testament, God has kept his promise by sending the Holy Spirit. So when Paul lays his hands on them, what he's doing is he's communicating that these men now belong to Jesus, okay? And when he lays his hands on them, they're able to prophesy and speak in tongues. Now, calm down. I know where I'm at. I know where I'm at. Calm down. Speaking in tongues simply means that they were able to speak in different languages for one purpose, to preach the gospel. When it says prophesying, it simply means that they were able to now read and teach the Bible, okay? So these men in a moment who have never heard of the Holy Spirit, never heard of Jesus, because they believed in him in an instant, they're now filled with him completely that they're able to speak the gospel in different languages. Only the power of the Holy Spirit could do this. Okay, now, um, now this is a, a picture of Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles, they're waiting on the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Okay, And once the Holy Spirit arrives and, and, and dwells them, they're able to do two things. Speak in tongues for the purpose of different languages, to share the gospel, and to read and teach the word of God. Amen. Now, this would have blown those who were around them because the apostles were considered simple. <laughs> country people. I'm country, so I'm, not, I'm country. <laughs> but they were considered simple people. So with the fact that these simple people can now speak in different dialects and different languages, it would have blown their mind. Why? Because they are not supposed to do that. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can they do these things. Now, listen, I have no idea why these folks in Acts experienced something that most of us have not, okay? I don't know that. That, That's a great question for Pastor Kyle, all right? (laughs) I don't know that, but what I do know is this. Throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes in various ways and comes at various times. But every time he comes in, in the book of Acts, he comes like this. Because it, it showed that because these men could speak in tongues and prophesy, read, and teach the word, it showed that they belong to the church of Christ Jesus, okay? So simply what's going on here is the Holy Spirit is telling everyone around them, these men who did not know me now know me because they put their faith in Christ Jesus, okay? That makes sense? And let me tell you what what grieves my heart as I've processed through this text. Most of us have forgotten about the Holy Spirit. It's God the Father, God the Son, and that's it. Most of us, hear me, I'm I'm not castigating. Most of us don't even know what the Holy Spirit's job is. Okay? So I'm going to kind of give you something here. To make it simple, the Holy Spirit's job is to give us power to live out the Christian life. You cannot live out the Bible without the help of the Holy Spirit. You cannot fight your sin without the help of the Holy Spirit. You cannot forgive those who have wronged you without the help of the Holy Spirit. That make sense? Well, not just that, but in John 16, Christ gives us a, a brief snapshot of the Holy Spirit's role, his job. And I want to kind of take you all through the snapshot, just kind of remind you of how important it is that we appreciate the gift we have in the Holy Spirit. In fact, so in John 16, verses 8 through 11, Christ says, first of all, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin. Meaning that the presence of the Holy Spirit in the world proves that, 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 that the world does not love God. The presence of the Holy Spirit in the world is proof that the world does not know and love God. It convicts the world. Secondly, it convicts the world of righteousness, meaning the Holy Spirit helps you and I believe that Christ is who he says he is. Because Christ says, when I leave, I will leave you a helper. You get that? Hey, listen, back row, give me a nod. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That mustache is amazing. Wow. Come on. Last, it says, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of judgment, meaning, I love this part, the Holy Spirit's presence in the world is proof that Satan is defeated. Amen. Some of y'all right now, you're struggling. Amen. 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 You feel defeated. Yes, I am. You feel as if. God has forgotten you. He's left you behind. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind you that because you have Jesus, everything will be all right. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind you that things will not always be this way. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind you that Satan is defeated and Christ reigns on the world. Amen. But now, Thank you, I want to talk about what the Holy Spirit continues to do for you. First of all, He guides you, He uses the Bible to teach you how to love God and live out what He calls you to do. He guides you. Secondly, He encourages you through the scriptures. He paints a silhouette of who Christ is that gives us the energy and the peace and the hope to keep going. But lastly, man, um, he assists you. I can only say it this way. Romans 8, 36, 37, uh, the apostle Paul walks into the valley of of life. Paul says, the times in life when life hits you so hard, you can't find the words to pray. You ever had a pain that ran so deep that if forgetfulness were a pill, you will take the whole bottle? Some of you, right now, man, you got that ache. Yeah, I know you look good tonight, but when you go back home, you know what I'm talking about. When you close that door, you're by yourself. You got that ache. That cry. You just can't seem to get the words out. And the Holy Spirit, being the divine translator, takes that tear, takes that ache, grabs it, and walks it to King Jesus. He assists you when you can't find the words to tell God, I need help. That's His job. Do you now see why it's important for you and I to be thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit? So now the question is, if the Holy Spirit empowers me to live out the Christian life, how do I keep experiencing his power? Faith is simply this, believing that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he said he can do. Faith. I think maybe the reason why many of us are not experiencing peace and joy and strength is because in our daily lives, we have stopped believing that God is who he says he is and that God can do exactly what he said he can do. I'm not talking about salvation here. We're all, I know you're saved, but every single day you're faced with a challenge. And the test is can I trust God to get me through? If you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit to help you live out the Christian life, keep believing in who He says He is. In fact, this belief, or this unbelief, plagued this church. In Revelations 2, verse 5, Christ is a in church. Great job, man. Love the building. Great worship, great backsplash. Oh, (laughs) love the kids' ministry. You're doing a great job. But I have one issue with you. You've lost lost your first love. Have you lost your first love? Have you lost your love for Jesus? I'm not talking about you talking about what he did for you and what he. I'm talking about have you lost your love to say, God, when I did not know nothing about theology. What I did know is that you love me and I love you. Have you forgotten your first love? There is no quicker way for the Holy Spirit to withhold his power than for you and I to stop believing that God is who he says he is. And these men are now infused with the Holy Spirit, and guess what? They can't stop talking about Jesus. These men have heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and now they have been infused with the power of the Holy Spirit for one purpose, to talk about him wherever they go in front of whoever they may become. Amen? Listen, y'all, I don't know if this sermon is terrible or not because y'all are giving me nothing. so are we good all right man i just didn't know i didn't know man all right all right listen i gotta hurry up because i got bojangles on the way (laughs) got to get up out of here man so these men they hear the power of the gospel they're empowered by the holy spirit to do one last thing to proclaim the gospel our last point is the power of proclamation now to appreciate this point you have to kind of go back in the halls of history to understand the city of Ephesus. At this time, it was the fourth largest city in the world. Uh, it was a port city. It was a gateway to all of Asia. If you want to get to Asia, you would go through Ephesus because it was the gateway to all roads. It was a big deal. Everyone wanted to go. To, it was a big deal to go to Ephesus. But that's the tourist side of Ephesus. There's also a dark side. It was a place of dark magic, mm-hmm. mysticism. Idolatry. dollar tree, much like Las Vegas. (laughs) Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Most Christians would not want to go to that place. And listen, I didn't, me and my wife did not plan on me going to Las Vegas, okay? (laughs) That was not in the cards. But what I have realized, and being a Christian now for almost, you know, almost a decade or so is that my life is not my own. My life is not my own. Your life is not your own. When you became a Christian, you signed a blank check. That you will go wherever God has sent you. You have no idea how many nights i walked down a desert road. Excuse me. Um, Your life is not your own. You're called to be a follower of Jesus. And go wherever he says go. And do whatever he says to. All right, man. All right, man. Okay, my sunscreen is... All right. Mm, mm, mm. Ah, Here we go. Okay. So, Paul says, um, I'm going there. He says... Take me to where the Jews hang out, verse 8. Synagogue. I love this. This was Paul's MO. He would come to a new city. He would always go to where the Jews hung out because he always would share the gospel with the house of Israel first. Paul would come into a service much like this one. He would worship in a service like this one. And then Paul would begin to open his mouth to talk about Jesus. Now, listen, I love this because Paul teaches us something about how we should share our faith. There's three things about Paul's evangelism. First of all, it was bold. Paul did not allow fear to stop him from sharing the gospel. Hear me. I'm a people pleaser, okay? So it's hard for me at times to share my faith because I want to be liked. But God reminds me, there's some things, Ricky, more important than you being liked, and the gospel is one of them because if people don't hear the gospel, they will be be separated from him for eternity. Hear me. Take yourself out of the center of your Christianity. It is not about you. It is about Jesus. Amen. Paul was bold. And then Paul was, as they say, he, was, um, he reasoned with them. I love this. It meant that he allowed them to ask questions. I love this because um, one of the hardest things about sharing our faith is because we don't want to share it because we don't, want to, we don't have all the answers. Right? So that makes us fearful to share our faith. That's okay. But sometimes we don't have the answers because we don't read our Bible. Sometimes you don't have the answers because it's a choice of not reading our Bible. It's not so much that we read the Bible, but the Bible reads us. And that's why we don't like to read the Bible. Speak, speak Lord, speak. I hope you all like me. I, I hope I can be invited back, man. I'm so sorry. Speak. Lastly, I'm um, sorry. Uh, He was persuasive. He he used everything he could to preach the gospel. I I love this. And so the Jews, they had an issue with him. And it says in verse 9, it simply says this. um, Where am I at? Oh, Lord, here we go. All right, sorry, guys. Verse 9, it says this. It said, some became stubborn. It meant that their their hearts had become hardened. This happened over time. I love this. Let me tell you something. Folks will not always hug you because you talk about Jesus. Folks will not always give you a high five. Could you talk about Jesus? Let that rest in your heart. Folks do not always want to hear about Christ, but we cannot crawl in a corner and stop. We have to continue to share our faith. Paul says, "Okay, if I can't do it here in the synagogue, I'll just go over here to the Hall of Tyrannus. In this hall, man, it was perfect because it was a place now where Jew and Greek could come together to all hear the gospel message. Right. And hear me, this is what blows my mind. Paul was persistent." he believed in proclamation he believed in sharing his faith so much so let, let me give you just some hard facts about Paul Paul was a tent maker okay what that means is he worked in the morning and then he would leave work in the morning and go to the hall of Tyranus and preach for five hours he would preach five hours he would preach five hours a day six days a week for 52 weeks a year two years straight which which equates to, 3,120 hours of sharing his faith. So with those of you who say, I'm just tired of sharing my faith, no you're not. You ain't did this. (laughs) Paul believed in proclaiming the gospel message. In fact, this blows my mind. To even make it even more simple, it meant that he would have preached, if you want to use it this way, 24 hours straight for 130 days. This man believed in the power of the gospel. So much so, he preached 24 hours straight, 130 days, equivalent to 3,120 hours of sharing his faith. You know what blows my mind? Verse 10 says, all of Asia heard the gospel. Did you hear what I just said? Not just the city, all of Asia heard the gospel. Because this man did not stop preaching it. Hear me. This is what we are called to be Amen. men and women who cannot shut their mouth up about Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. There were these men who believed the gospel, infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, to do one thing to open their mouth and talk about Jesus. Um, a newlywed couple was heading towards their honeymoon one night as the husband was driving um, he didn't see a car coming around the bend and so the two cars crashed now the car's on top the husband now comes to and looks at his newlywed bride and sees that she's bleeding out he says to himself if I don't get her some help she's going to die but to his surprise, he looked up the hill and saw a sign that said, Office of Dr. Bill Jones. How fortunate for this tragedy to happen right down the road from a doctor's office. So he, he grabs his bride and he, he stumbles up the hill. He gets to the door and he knocks on the door. An old man answers. He says, yes, sir, how can I help you? He says, sir, my wife is going to die to save her. He said, son, I'm sorry, but I stopped practicing medicine 20 years ago. I can't help you. No. He said, sir, you have two options. Either save her or take down your son. I come to tell you that your son outside says that those who are broken and those who are lonely and those who are grieving, there's a place for them to come here. Two Cities Church, you have two options. Either open your mouth, talk about Jesus, or take down your son. Amen. 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 I walked around the city this morning. The brokenness of the city. People are hurting, they're lost. And we have the power of the gospel message. How several of us, just because we got a seat on the bus, can now drive by them and say, I wish you luck. <laughs> Speak, Lord. You got two options. Over your mouth. Talk about Jesus. Or take down your son. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm trying to encourage you because you do not know when God will say, give me back my breath. The breath that you breathe, he blew in your body. But one day, he will. And when that day comes, it is too. The gospel is good news, but only if you get it in time. Amen. You got two options. Show your faith about Jesus. Or we'll take down your sound. I hope you hear my heart. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be mean. But I flew all the way from Las Vegas. Just to encourage and remind you of what we are called to be. You have the power of the gospel at your fingertips. Can you imagine if someone was too busy to share the gospel with you? You wouldn't sit where you're sitting now. Can you imagine? If someone was too afraid to share the gospel with you, you wouldn't sit where you're sitting now. Only by the grace of God are we called Christians. The audacity of us, just because we got a seat on the boat to drive past those and say, I wish you luck. Hear me. I'm talking about myself. I'm in the same boat with you. I make excuses. I'm always busy. I'm always too afraid. And God says, son, it's not about you. You got two options. You got two options. You got two options. Share your faith. Take down your son. Ricky, what do we learn from Acts 19, 1 through 10? How can these verses push us through the book of Ephesians? Well, it shows us three things. The early start of the Ephesian church, they taught the Bible. They made disciples. And they sent people out. To teach the Bible and make disciples. That is how this church began. They taught the Bible. They made disciples. And they sent those out to teach the Bible and make disciples. That is what we are called to do. The church started out with power from the beginning power of the gospel, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do one thing, talk about Jesus. Sometimes, the way you move forward is by looking back. If you want to move forward through this book, understand it, appreciate it look back at how it began if you want to move forward in your Christian faith don't you ever forget to look back at the cross man I I hope you leave here not just with some good notes Notes don't save people. I hope your heart is full that you find yourself going, how can I not talk about Jesus? When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done For me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that what was shared is from your heart. I pray that I did not do anything to get in the way of what you were doing. But I am so thankful for this church. I am so thankful for the volunteers and the staff and the lead pastor, Pastor Kyle. I'm so Thankful for David, Pastor David, and Pastor Caleb. I'm so thankful for what you're doing here in Winston-Salem. But I have one ask of you, Father, before I take off on the plane. Would you allow this church to live up to its side? Would you allow this church to live up to its side? This is our prayer, Father. In Christ's name.